Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after what I believe is the most impressive game of the Winnipeg Jets season. Now, I, you wouldn't be saying that after the first period, uh, no doubt, um, but here's what I think the major importance of that game is. The Winnipeg Jets did to the LA Kings exactly what the LA Kings did to the Winnipeg Jets the last time they saw each other. First period, uh, the Jets were the better team, and then LA just like stepped up and lapped the Jets in the second and third period of that game. Well, that's what we saw on this night here. This was not even close. And I, you know, you could give the excuse that the LA Kings started to look tired. They did. There's no excuse for that. The Winnipeg Jets were the team that was playing back to back. Um, I wrote it in there. They were they were outclassed. They were out hustled. They were out skilled on this night. The Jets come out in a game where, you know, what's challenging about the LA Kings is their depth, or it's supposed to be. Their center depth is supposed to be. Phil Deneau didn't really do a lot uh, for me on this night. Pierre-Luc Dubois, my goodness. Uh, you want to talk about a revenge game we talked about the last time? Like, just talk about flipping the script in every single way. The last game, Pierre-Luc Dubois scores a goal, and it's the PLD revenge game, and everyone's looking at the LA Kings. And really, ever since then, that game has kind of stood out as one of the are the Jets elite um, in this league, and with with a game like that against a team of significance in this in this conference, uh, you know some of the games against the Dallas Stars. There's that question of whether or not the Jets belong in that hierarchy. I'll tell you this. You know the whole tired and wired meme? You know what's tired is asking are the Winnipeg Jets elite? It happens every time they get around here. I don't think we should be asking that question. I think the question we should be asking at this stage after that game is do the Winnipeg Jets have the ability to grind with the best teams in the NHL? Because tonight they outground a team that is supposed to be one of the leaders at doing that in the NHL. The LA Kings don't give up leads. They've only done so in regulation once before so far this season when they've taken the lead in a game. Um, I just... Take a look at this situation, and I think the Winnipeg Jets are adding one game after another, after another, after another to their arsenal of different ways that they win games, different ways to be like, this is the game we're in. This is how we play that game. This is how we can win that game. And this is interesting, but if you go back to that last Stars game where the Stars basically stopped pushing in the third period, um, I'd said I didn't like that. And people had said, well, they never scored. And, you know, people had a problem with me saying it because they ended up winning the game. If you remember that third period, the Winnipeg Jets were all over the Dallas Stars and they needed to lean on a really hot goaltender in that game to get through. They did it. It's the second time they did it against the Winnipeg Jets. So I could see how people, some people would look at that and be like, they've got the Jets right where they want them. I didn't see that. Uh, but what I saw from the Winnipeg Jets was say, okay, well, Dallas can do this. Let's go and let's do this a couple times in some games and I saw them go and do that then against the Colorado Avalanche and I saw them go out and do that against the Carolina Hurricanes so they add that tool to their arsenal we had that conversation um but to me this is the interesting part about that about this is 
in, in those games, the reason why they're able to win, the reason why they do so against Carolina, the reason why they do so against uh, the Avalanche is that they're able to defend, but A, not fall out of their structure, but B, really stay on their toes and capitalize on the other team um, when they have those moments of breakdowns where they start pushing too much. Well, on this night, the Winnipeg Jets caught the LA Kings trying to do exactly what the Jets did to those two teams, exactly what the Dallas Stars had done to the Jets before that. And the Jets handled it the way that I think you should in that situation because what they did is they had just a constant push going but they didn't fall out of their structure on the back end. They didn't take stupid, ridiculous mistakes. They just got into this idea of grab the puck, possess it, out-hustle these guys, beat them to the puck, compete for every single puck, and it's going to turn out our way. We don't have to take bad risks, right? We can just play our structure. It's going to get us back in, our, in the game. And the other part I love about it is there really could have been potential for the Jets to come out in that third period after taking a 3-2 lead and doing exactly what the Kings had just done, sit back, protect the lead, do that. No, they didn't do it. They did it the way I think teams should do it. That's why I didn't like how Dallas did it in that game. I hate how the Kings did it in this game. The Kings basically thought that they were going to sit on that lead for the entire game. The Jets were going to make mistakes. They were going to put it in the back of the net, and they were going to crumble. That didn't happen. The Jets didn't crumble. They broke. They broke the LA Kings in this game and just kept going. The third period is maybe the best part of that game. If I'm Rick bonus, because not only do the jets get the lead and don't turn around and say, okay, now let's stop doing this and give them a chance to get into the game. They had this, this was a wrestling match where they threw the LA Kings in a chokehold. And by the end of the second period, the ref had lifted the arm and dropped it three times and then the Jets kept the chokehold on so that the ref lifted and dropped the arm another four or five times by the end of that game. This is exactly, I think, how a team should look when it's trying to defend a lead. None of this sitting back, none of this going into a you know defensive shell, none of this you know risking teams shooting and shooting and shooting and maybe one getting through and redirecting. The Jets went out against a, a, a an elite team. You know, never mind are the Jets elite. This is an elite team in the league, and the Jets beat them down on the back end of a back-to-back. They this is a redemption tour that they went on uh on this night to go prove that what happened to them at the LA Kings, that was then. This is now. And the Winnipeg Jets, without one of their top scorers, knowing he's not going to be there for a long time, went out and laid a beat down on a team that they were far sharper and far more willing to compete on this night, which I think is the most important thing. And other than that, the most important thing I take from this, Rick Bonus had said he talked to Kyle Connor and said we're going to keep winning so that when you get back we can continue doing what we're doing here what a message sent by the Winnipeg Jets and Rick Bonus to Kyle Connor who's sitting at home watching that this ladies and gentlemen was the perfect response to everything the Winnipeg Jets have gone through from the beginning of the season right to the recent situation with Kyle Connor this to me Hands down, forget the Florida game. This is the Winnipeg Jets game of the year. That's my take on it. Time to bring in the man with the best music in the business to give his take. Here comes Kenny.
Ken, I'm not going to say neither of you and I look good tonight. We definitely don't look like Vittorio Rossi men. Uh, boy, oh boy, when we get looking like Vittorio Rossi men, you almost look, well, you probably are there, but that's as good as you can look is putting on the Vittorio stuff. And to me, the Winnipeg Jets looked as good as they could possibly look tonight. Before we get on and have you dive into the buffet and talk about this just you know what to do folks out there if you want to look as good as the jets look tonight you head on down to vittorio rossi on cordon avenue walk in loudly proclaim kenny and rennie sent you ask for frankie and the boys they will do you up right and leave you looking spiffy and i i don't want to say near perfect because i didn't like that first period that like overly for the winnipeg jets but boy oh boy second period third period and really the the players that you want leading the charge for you leading the charge on this night how much better could it have been for the Winnipeg Jets we talked sorry about that we we talked the other day about uh the Dallas how how that didn't sit well with the Jets and obviously the LA Kings the first meeting didn't sit well with the Winnipeg Jets and they went out and did something about it as you said they they completely turned the tables and flipped the script on what happened in the third game of the regular season. Uh, as MBHA Ball Hockey says, we beat LA at their own game. When we got that deuce lead, we locked it right down. Kings had no answer. And I mean, that's 100% accurate. Uh, not only did the Jets explode for five after a night where they are let down by their power play and only score one against the San Jose Sharks. They overcome a 2-0 deficit against the stingiest team in the National Hockey League. And, you know, folks can say whatever they want. And, yes, we understand uh, that there were question marks about the LA Kings goaltending situation coming into this year. Cam Talbot has a sub-two goals against average, and, you know, his save percentage was is well above league average right now. So I don't pin this on Cam Talbot. The Jets basically didn't fold for one and for two Sean they didn't cheat for offense and they didn't they didn't do what they did in those two games against Dallas which was feed the transition game and make those costly errors as you touched on in terms of puck uh, puck protection and um, you know just making the kind of mistakes that the opposition blue line and your own blue line that that end up costing you so uh, what I would say you know a massive game obviously for the top line Uh, they were as we talked about they were buzzing yesterday Um, they were buzzing today first four-point game of his career for Gabriel Velarde Nikolai Ehlers has um, two and two for four Mark Scheifele has three a three-point game and that line was just excellent at both ends of the ice. But, man, they're just absolutely rolling right now, flying. And they led the way. I mean, Rick Bonus went out of his way to point out that, you know, this was not just a simple one-line domination. And they got plenty of contributions throughout the lineup. And that's accurate. Uh, but there's no disputing who led the way offensively. And, Sean, I mean, this, this was another, um, you know, what we've been talking about, about Connor Hellebuck. There's a ninth consecutive game where it's a quality start for him. I think that's two or fewer now in nine consecutive games. And let's not kid ourselves. When when that bad angle shot went in in the first period and the Jets were down 2 nothing, you were wondering if the Jets would be able to push to 18 consecutive games uh, with allowing two or fewer, and they did. Uh, against a team that if you open up against them, they'll make you pay. And, you know, instead the Jets stayed within structure and their top line got them rolling thanks to a smart defensive effort, which we'll get into a little bit more later on. But 
then they really unloaded offensively and uh, that was something that was really important to them. I mean, for the folks uh, who didn't see it, uh, Gabriel Velarde, very emotional after the game. And, you know, he said, yeah, sure, you know, you'd like to be like any other game. But this was a special game for him and Alex Iafallo. Uh Rasmus Kapari obviously wasn't there uh, to be part of it, and he'll have to wait until next season to for his return visit to L.A. unless there's a playoff meeting um, potentially. But Man, Velarde, he was asked his last question. Sean, sorry, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pull a Tony Kornheiser here on uh pardon the interruption. He he was asked at the end, so you know, is this is this kind of closure or is this sort of end the whole, you know, does this end the things for uh close the chapter or do you carry that chip on your shoulder going forward? And Velarde uh, definitely shot of truth serum here. Obviously, you saw it out there. I was here now, and now I'm gone. It's the same for everybody. I was drafted here. My time playing here was amazing. But at the end of the day, they didn't want me, so it doesn't end anything. And uh, I, I love the honesty. And, you know, again, people can, can say whatever they want. But, I mean, that has to fuel you as a player. And we saw it. I mean, yes, Gabriel Velarde also said during that interview that he likes to celebrate every time he scores. But, you know, you could tell by the, uh, you know, the burst on the celebration after that backhand almost semi-slapper uh, that this meant a lot to Gabriel Velarde. You could tell in the fist bumps after the previous plays where he had the three primary assists in the second period. Uh, this was a special game for him, and he was an absolute force. We talked about it on Sunday, Sean. Gabriel Velarde's best game of the year had been against the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday where he got the game winner. Well, he just, you know, two games later, he has put that game already in the rearview mirror and come up with a better effort. Um, and, and the Jets need him to. I mean, we, we talked about this when the Kyle Connor injury happened. The Jets need that top line to be a dominant force. So they need Gabriel Velarde to be a, you know, a guy who would be on pace for 25 to 30 on the season. They need Nikolai Ehlers to be an explosive dynamic player. And uh, guess what? All of those things happened. Uh, but also importantly, they, they got another important performance in terms of their structure. Their structure didn't break, even though they were kind of pushed against the ropes and had taken uh, some hefty shots to the chin. Uh, they were able to regroup and then started to be the ones, you know, as you like to say, applying the, the blunt force trauma uh, in terms of their response. So, I mean, pretty impressive all around. I mean, we'll dig into the details, but uh, that's sort of what stuck out for me. You talked about Gabe Velarde and having the uh, truth serum going on there. I'm, you, I've said this before. I'm always, always a huge fan of the tr truth serum because I think being able to bluntly say the truth yeah. is is a great for accountability because if you come out and you say what's really happening and you don't end up addressing it, you, you, you are basically afraid of accountability. And I've said this in the past. I think the Paul Maurice era was plagued with the idea that the Winnipeg jets didn't often talk out loud about the truth about what was really going on. And it always goes back to that Canadian division year where they had that slide and Statsny came out and was basically like, we've been t playing terrible for a long time. Now we'd been talking about it on the podcast, but based on what the team and its coach had been saying for weeks before that, you never would have known it. 
to me, the whole idea of Velarde talking that way, this is another one of the areas that I think that Rick Bonus has permeated this team. And I just wanted to point this out. Kim Sawchuk with an absolute banger banger of a comment here when she says the Jets have incorporated bone system into their very bones. They have bought into structured discipline, discipline play. My goodness, is she ever hitting the nail on the head here? But another thing that I think is really kind of soaked into this team. And I think it comes from last year and him calling the team out and them having problems with that. And, and when those problems happen, I think Ken, a lot of us thought that maybe Rick bones was, or Rick bonus was going to walk away. Nope. He just kept on going, saying the truth. He's saying, maybe I was a little harsh, but I don't take back what I say. So any players who thought he was going to backtrack and leave an opening for them to say, you know, well, you said this, you got it wrong. No, he kept pushing forward. I think this is what that looks like. The point that you made about them making no bones about it. They didn't like how that game against LA went. Well, you know what? I think the old Winnipeg Jets would have been like, oh, that was another game. That was this. That was that. And they would have just like sloughed it off. Whereas this team takes that, that loss and says, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. We want another crack at this team. What does that show, Ken? It shows confidence. It shows a team that isn't afraid of holding that grudge or holding on to that game and wanting a redo on it because they think they can win it in the redo. The old team that often would, you know, kind of duck this and say, oh, forget about that game. Oh, I like the way we played when they didn't play well and all that kind of stuff. You've got a team now that can be like, we got owned in that game. We are intent on showing that's not happening again. I think that's how you get this attitude, like Kim Sawchuk is talking about, of this team competing at every single turn. And I'm going to just switch things up here, Ken. I'm jumping right into the Johnson group. Got you covered, play of the game. And you know what I'm doing? There's another two-on-one that gets broken up exactly like it was last game by Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti is not supposed to be the kind of player who can catch people in stride, but he pounces and heads up ice in a situation where Nick Ehlers turns the puck over and he does the exact same thing as he did the last game. Hey, Cole Perfetti, we know all about him and what he's capable of. He was starting to put points up. He was getting a lot of notice. Well, the points have dried up all of a sudden, but you know what hasn't? His effect on a team winning a hockey game. And this goes back to the bonus system and the compete and how bad these guys want it. So back to back, it's almost the exact same play But I'll tell you the difference between the two of these, Ken. There's a play on the first goal that the the LA Kings turn the puck over and the Jets have men up ice. And the the high guy for the LA Kings, not only does he not chase it down, he goes off for a change. Now, it can be argued he's trying to get, you know, the change where he goes in the one door and the far door, the other guy jumps out and he kind of fast forwards up the ice. But when he's going off the ice, he just absolutely dogs it off the ice, which holds his teammate on the bench for an extra second in that situation and I'm just thinking you would never see that from the Winnipeg Jets there's not one player on the Winnipeg Jets that would turn in a situation like that where there's an odd man rush and a and not be doing whatever he had to do to get back down the ice like Cole Perfetti did in that play there but but b would just not like would be embarrassed 
to go to the bench, giving a half-ass effort on the way in there. So I just, to me, that's my gotcha covered play of the game. If you got something you want to throw out there, I'd like to, you know, go for it. But I just think, again, Cole Perfetti, did anyone have him as being like the kind of guy at the start of this season that was like becoming a defensive stalwart in the way that he's able to back pressure and dive in and break plays up throughout a game and to do it consistently the way that he's doing? I didn't have it. Uh, again, this is just like Rick Bonus and his coaching staff have shown this team the way. Last year, they turned away from the way. This year, they are completely and totally bought, bought in. Cole Perfetti included, which is why he's got my gotcha covered play of the game brought to you by the Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs. Do you have one, Ken? Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of uh, honorable mentions. Certainly Adam Lowry had a similar back check uh, breaking up a play. And uh, I just think that based on the circumstances, uh, I really thought that Nate Schmidt's block on the power play uh, late in the game was important too. I mean, you, you know, for a guy who's battling to get himself back in the regular rotation as the number six guy, you know, two cross-checking penalties. They scored on the first one. Uh, you know, again, this is another classic example where plus-minus can be a deceiving stat. I mean, he's on the ice for that shot by Alex Laferriere, but the shot <laughs> takes place from below the goal line. So, even though that's another example where you're not blaming, you're not blaming Nate Schmidt that the goal went in. I mean, that that's a shot that, yeah, I understand it's a in some ways a perfect shot, but. Yep. I mean, I understand goalies are taught to go down that way, Sean. But I mean, this is one example where that going down on one knee, um, you know, whether it's reverse VH or whatever the terminology is, a goalie made himself small. And, you know, if you're standing up and hugging the post, there's no way that goes in. Right. So uh, didn't love the goal. But I mean, for Nate Schmidt to you know come back with a big the fact that he was out there yeah, killing a late penalty, uh, coaching staff still believing in him. I think that's important for him to come through with a block like that. But yeah, I mean, agree. I would say this about Perfetti, Sean. I think one thing about we know he's an offensive guy first and foremost. I do think that because of his uh, hockey intelligence, his defensive side is um, a little bit undervalued. Um, yeah, not, and I think that's something that he that'll be a club in his bag um, as he continues to emerge as a player here. Obviously, he's still a young guy, still finding his way and everything else. But uh, I think that that's something that is going to become an even more underrated part of his skill set. Um, that's Kenny's uh, gotcha covered play of the game brought to you by the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnston Group. And hey, do you run a small business in Canada? Look to Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. So do yourself a favor and go visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. Ken, it has been called and called and called upon again. If there was a day that deserves... There's a Sean's Headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show. It's a game like this. So let's get at it. Let's make it a Sean's Headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show.
Before we move on to the next topic, since I brought it up, my pristine roofing wake-up call of the game goes to that uh, L.A. player that, to me, it had a feeling of, of uh, and not quite as obvious, but it just showed to me a, a lack of realization from L.A.'s side of how dangerous the Jets are if you don't want to compete with them the way that they're competing. Uh, I don't know which player it was who made the change, but if you go back and look at that first goal, it is obvious. He just, like, the Jets are heading up ice with numbers and speed. And there's this one guy, the high guy from L.A., who you're looking, okay, is he going to you're, – you're, you're watching to see if he gets back into the play. And instead, he lollygags his way over to the bench. That, to me, is clearly the pristine roofing uh, wake-up call of the game. You know what that means. Time to give North End Rick the wake-up call. He'll come down to your place, check it out. Roofing, siding, exterior needs. He's the guy to call because he represents pristine roofing, and he's the guy who comes out and takes a look, tells you what you need. Give him a wake-up call at one 981 6289 or call pristine roofing at one two zero four two three seven seven six six three. Okay, I just wanted to say something quickly to go back to uh, sure. uh, not Velarde, uh to go back to Cole Perfetti. Um, I think this is one of the scenarios under which at the beginning of the year people were wondering about Nick Ehlers and him getting going and all these different kind of things. I do believe I said in one of our earlier shows what I one of the things I saw Perfetti performing really well was because the speed that we see from Nick Ehlers creates such a wake and, and he's really one of those players that if he can get into those spaces that are created by other players, he gets really, really dangerous. I think right now, offensively, uh, Cole Perfetti is missing Nick Ehlers. What do you think? I would say that that's a fair assessment. Uh, I, I haven't seen a massive drop off, but I mean, it, he was certainly really clicking with Ehlers, and I think that's directly correlated to Ehlers getting up to speed. And now uh, Ehlers is using that speed on the top line where he can really be a difference maker just based on how well Mark Scheifele is playing right now. Um, up to 30 points now, I believe, 10 goals, 20 assists, and oh, sorry, it'll be 11 goals now and 21, 20 assists for 31. Um, but yeah, and Gabriel Velarde, you know, finding his legs, his hands have been really impressive and on display. And we know that that defensive element is something that uh, has really been a nice fit on that line. But yeah, I mean, it, this is, we've been talking about this, and this is another example where um, I, I believe Nino Niederreiter moving up with Cole Perfetti, I've got lots of time for that. I mean, they, when, when he got the bump the other night, uh, even though it was momentary, um, they scored against Colorado in that game, that line when they were together. So I think that they, uh, that would be something the Jets are going to be considering here. I mean, we talked about the uh, the taps kind of being turned off a little bit for Alex Iafalo. And Sean, I kind of wonder, again, just, uh, you know, floating theories here. It's not the same thing as Blake Wheeler, but it feels like maybe there's a piece of Alex Iafalo that maybe was, we're talking a lot about Velarde because he had the four-point night, the first of his career. Maybe there was a piece of Alex Iafolo that really had this game against the Kings circled on his calendar and kind of needed a little bit of closure himself. Uh, but yeah, I mean, now it's 13 games without a point. I think uh, one assist in 15. So, I mean, that that's a long stretch of time for a guy who kind of came out of the gate pretty hot and really did a nice job in that top line. But uh, I, I would... I would I would think there's a possibility we could see a flip-flop at some point. But again, we know that the the third line is, has been cemented as, as rock solid. And uh, that second line is going to have to pull themselves out of it. Uh, you know, not pull themselves out of it, but get themselves going offensively uh, kind of on their own, I guess it would appear. 
Jets have won five of their last six, correct? Yeah, exactly. So you're not having to break up everything. I got that. I'm just, I'm just again, I just think that at some point, and you don't need a writer, can help. I mean, we saw it. We literally saw it at the start of this road trip. They were put together for a couple shifts, and they scored a goal in one of those shifts. So we know that that is uh, an element that they can go to. I'm telling you, Ken, I'm seeing the Winnipeg Jets raise their game to a place it hasn't been in a sure. long time, if not for... and. Rennie kind of feels like he needs to raise his game when it call, comes to calling Kenny out. What I'm hearing right Go now ahead. is Jets have won five of their last six games, and you are advocating to break up the very heart and soul of this team. To me, Ken, I think this is a case where Ken wants to be right more than he wants the Winnipeg Jets to be right. What say you to that assertion? Well, I would say that uh, Mason Appleton has gone, I think, nine games without scoring a goal. And the goal that Adam Lowry scored was set up by Axel Janssen Fialbi. And Nino Niederreiter uh, hasn't been pouring them in of late, but he was on the ice for an important goal uh, that he scored when he was on the ice with Vladislav Nemesnikov and Cole Perfetti. So that's what I'm saying about that. I mean, their job is to check first and foremost, but when they were rolling at their finest, that line was scoring a lot as well as defending. So uh, I'm just saying that that's something they will consider at some point. I'm not saying they need to do it immediately. Uh, but as mentioned earlier, in a night where the Jets had one goal the night before, Nino Niederreiter is a guy that can help a guy like Cole Perfetti. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying break them up immediately, but I'm saying that if they have issues with scoring goals, that's a guy who can help them get moving. I think I just wanted to float that theory more than anything. You didn't need to defend <laughs> You don't that. say that. I just, I just uh, you know, I wanted to have it's it okay. out there. I have, I, a great, I, I have a very important receipt. I mean, it didn't it didn't come in a text message to you today, but uh, um, Scotty, uh, he's pretending to be banned here, but uh, texted him during the game at 2 nothing. I said, next goal wins, and he was making fun of me when it was still 2-1. to one. Uh, By the end of the game, there wasn't a lot of making fun of happening because it was accurate, so... T. Will says, Kenny, this has gone beyond defending a bad take and is now veering into the realm of sacrilege. Hey, listen, if hell hasn't frozen over, I don't know what's going on in Winnipeg. We can't get any Winnipeg weather here, but boy, oh boy, T. Will backing backing Rennie is maybe one of the biggest swerves we've seen since Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. Like this is like the swerve of all swerves on the Kenny and Rennie show. I, I can't believe I'm seeing it. Well, and hey, I almost, I mean, I'm not trusting it. Like, I feel like, I feel like T wheels lining up behind me right now to like gain my trust. And we're like, kind of like, buddy, celebrating you, high five. And then simple. Sudden, you like hit me in the back of the head with the bell. Like that's coming. you've I been invited to the barbershop with, uh, with the, the rockers are going to be I'm, breaking up. Up. You're, you're Marty Janetti, buddy. You're Marty Janetti. Exactly. I'm about to get sweet chin music <laughs> and go through the barbershop window. I can feel it happening. Um, I love this by Scott Westman, who says 55 is carrying the top line. Doesn't matter who he plays on it now. Okay. I was on Jeff Merrick's show the other day. He asked me who I thought the MVP of the Winnipeg Good segment. was. I said, I said Mark Shifley. Um, I think now, like, because a lot of times people just, you know, uh, clearly we've been doing this for years and then there's a value to it. Like Mark Shifley's name isn't up near a guy like Kucherov and it's not going to be where Connor McDavid is at the end of the year when it comes to scoring. But I think the mix of great offense versus great. And, and there was a couple times times, like there was one time he was right in front of the net and, and the, the Kings threw it to the front of the net to get 
to create chaos. And it was like a pass to Mark Shifley, who had it just calmly on his stick and then just skated from like the goal mouth straight out of the uh, out of his defending zone. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that is that is like 3D Chinese checkers hockey sense on display right there like you know because i think a lot of people think defending is like him getting inside a guy and grinding him against the boards and out muscling guys like mark shifley has been able to do that boy oh boy he's been playing the boards like a virtuoso this season but like the way he's defended with his brain so far and i'd said it on that show and i go out to say it again mark shifley right now is one of the most potent mixes of offense and defense in the entire nhl i think that what we see from mark shifley on a lot of nights is while you know while Connor mcdavid goes out and gets like five points uh in this game and that and kucherov goes and does the same thing and those guys are piling up their scoring what i think you're typically seeing is that when mark shifley has those guys come rolling into town he's usually right there with them if not his line is coming out looking better on top so while his name doesn't look like it appears in the bright lights of the scoring race when it's a head-to-head thing Oftentimes, if you're taking the bet on Mark Shifley, you're winning that bet because that because of exactly what I'm talking about. His uh, his back checking, that all-out effort that he's got, the way he's playing defensively, and the way they're able they're playing the boards in the offensive zone. And boy, we got to talk with like the the element that Velarde has brought to that line and how it's changed that line, and now it caught up with them on the score sheet as well. But the one thing I will say about this is Mark Shifley started out with Velarde, it looked great at first, then he had. He lost him. Then they brought in Ayafalo. Ayafalo looked great. We know he looks great with Kyle Connor. Had Kyle Connor, and I say this, I do give Mark Shifley credit for it. Had Kyle Connor on, you know, a potential uh, Rocket Richard winning trophy pace, then yeah. you add Nick Ehlers into it, and now Nick Ehlers is starting to look like he's just busting out. And then you get Gabe Velarde back, and now not only are we talking about Gabe Velarde looking good, we're talking about Gabe Velarde, and, and let, listen, sample size really small on this. But if even a fraction of what we're seeing from Gabe Velarde is happening right now, if he sticks with Mark Schleifle, we're probably about to see the best version of Gabe Velarde we've ever seen before. I want your take on not only Mark Schleifle, we've talked lots about the bounce back, we've talked about the points he's getting, his engagement. I want now you to tell me what you are seeing from Mark Schleifle this year in his ability to elevate the players around him. Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting, and the comparisons are two completely different things, but to me, the signing of the long-term extension has brought a freeing element. Sean, the last time the Oilers rolled into town for the first time with Chris Knobloch, Rick Bonus was asked about the Oilers, I believe by me, and he said they're playing free. So right now, Mark Shifley is playing free. There's not He's not carrying the weight of the world around on his shoulders. He's gearing up for these head-to-head matchups. And Sean, you're right. You touched on in the opening. You know, the King's depth at center. Well, Mark Shifley's thinking to himself, even if he doesn't say it publicly, well, how about our centers, you know? And, yeah. and how about me as a number one center? Um, and he's going out and performing on a nightly basis at an incredibly high level. Uh, my only beef with, with Scott's point, and, and not to take away the, the overall theme that Shifley is carrying the line, I think Nikolai Ehlers right now is playing at a very dynamic level, and he completely turned the game around uh, today. So it's not a... And I'm not 
Scott wasn't saying it was a one-man band uh, scenario, but I, I think he's had plenty of help on the line. But he's definitely incredibly driving force, and he's playing at a level that, you know, quite frankly, I, I don't think we've seen on a consistent basis since the 2018 playoffs when he had 14 goals and 20 points. And and even then, the two-way play, I, I think he's even found a new level uh, right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's been impressive in terms of Velarde. Uh, this is a guy, Sean, we've been high on for a long time. I mean, we, we talked about him in the summer with Sam Cosentino and, and with Jason Bukula, um, our Sportsnet colleagues. And these are guys who have watched Gabriel Velarde for a long time. And Velarde brings a skill set. We've seen the hands on display. Now he's got his feet moving. And his ability to win battles along the boards uh, is exceptional. We talked about it a little bit on Sunday night. I mean, the one play he's on his behind and he bats a puck out of the air. Now, like, that's that's just absurd. But this is a guy who's really good around the blue paint. And the other thing, Sean, we're going to see about him as he continues to feel stronger, this guy's an elite finisher. I understand that that's maybe a bit of an overstatement for some, not for me. This guy can shoot the puck, he gets to the right spots, and he's a really smart and you know really thoughtful player. And I think that he will fit really well uh, with Mark Shifley, and I also think that he fits really well because he's going to also put Nikolai Ehlers in some incredible spots, much like he did today on a couple of those absolute laser beams. Um that we'll get into a little bit more as we go along here. So they, this may sound like a grand pronouncement, but sometimes I think you need to like say things out loud that, that maybe kind of catch uh, the imagination or the, the eye of people. I go to say it like this now with Gabe Velarde out there and the way that he, like his size, the way he's working the boards at one point, he just kind of like shrugged the guy off who looked like he had, you know, the inside arm. He just like, took the guy, moved him aside, kept going, is great along the boards. I go back to that play in the last game where he's like lying on his back and the puck goes rimming around the boards and he picks it out of the air, controls it, stands up and goes moving with the puck. And I say this again, Mark Shifley, this season, when it comes to how he's like working the boards, it's back to his elite level now. He's got like this magic with his stick that it's just a quick little tick and boom. Like it, like he really understands the idea of interrupting the opposing player. It's not so much he's out muscling him for the puck. He does just does a little something to interrupt him. And then in the slight little bit of confusion that's caused in that interruption, he just steals the puck. It's almost like a sleight of hand trick that he's pulling with him. Hey, hey, oh, you're leaving with the puck. Well, hey, look at this shiny watch that I'm selling. Boom, all of a yeah. sudden he's got the puck and he's off the wall. But he he rarely, rarely does Mark Shifley get the puck taken away from him uh, on the yeah. boards. And we're seeing the same thing out of Gabe Velarde. The speed that Nikolai Ehlers adds to that, it's a little bit of a different element, but to, back to the bold proclamation, I'm taking a look at this line right now and the way that they are able to grind the opposition team in the offensive zone with Mark Shifley capable of doing that and Gabe Velarde capable of doing that and then having Nick Ehlers with the speed to swoop in and grab those pucks. I think they rival, if not are ahead of the third line in their ability to grind the opposition in their own zone, except they've got this insane scoring ability on top of it. Like I'm giving the idea that as great as the third line is, and I think they are one of the most dominant offensive zone grinding lines in the entire NHL at this stage, from what we've seen in the last couple of games, and again, small sample size, 
so small sample size, but I think that the Gabe Velarde, Mark Shifley duo may make that an even better line in that regards, but add the offensive element to it. This is the kind of stuff that when you get into the playoffs and you're line matching against other teams and you get to send out that top line of yours against other top lines, this is, again, it doesn't matter where Nikita Kucherov or whoever is in the scoring. It matters who wins that series in the head-to-head battle. It is going to be very hard for the teams in the West and you know potentially a team in the East, if they were to get that far, to match that line when they're playing like that. Like I'm looking at lines, like, and I know that they've been splitting them up a little bit, but that line of Jason Robertson and Rope Hintz, uh, and Pavelski, guys like yep. that, Pavelski in Dallas, like this line rivals that. Jack Eichel's line, this rivals that. Now, it's a whole different thing if you're fa- facing Connor McDavid. You know, it's a different kind of ball game. Yeah. But I'd like to see at this stage. I'm interested where this line lines up. So I just go back to it. Not only is this team great, uh, responsible defensively, works really hard to back check, but I just think the way that, like, as far as a massive, massive load to handle in the offensive zone, I think they are rivaling the Lowry line the way they're playing like that, but they've got the scoring touch. This line is potentially something special should they continue on and going from what we've seen and even build on what we've seen from them in a very short amount of time. You bet. And just one quick thing here, Cranley. It's 18 games of allowing three or fewer. It's eight games or nine games now for Hellebuck of two or fewer, I believe. those. That's the stat, just in case. Uh, I, I don't think I fumbled it earlier, but I, I may have. So uh, regardless, their team structure has been great. And that top line has been uh, uh, fantastic, Sean. No doubt about it. Now, obviously, too, I mean, once Kyle Connor is back in that six to eight week window, and I would imagine that it's closer to after the all-star break, just depending on the healing powers and everything else, but they'll have a decision to make in terms of what they want to do. And then, you know, there's a long time before that happens, but uh, right now, Nikolai Luz was asked to step up and, and play an important role or an enhanced role. And he's been doing that. <laughs> Sorry, Julie. Oh, classic. Says, it's classic. I like Velarde. He is crusty and direct in his interviews. Lord knows I like players who are like that. Uh, if you're not in on the joke, Julie Sue used to love um, used to love when Blake Wheeler would shred the likes of uh, of uh, Ken Weeb and myself. Oh, easy uh, now. Don't be including me in that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess one of us was willing to go to war. I don't know. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, lamplighter, quickly, Um, I think. Now that we're talking about that line, no? Okay. No, I just wanted to give a shout out, of course, to our our friends at Cambrian Credit Union. Sure, right on. Talking about that line and the teamwork that we're seeing from them. It's the. We wanted to give a quick shout out to the team at Cameron Credit Union for answering members call or from answering members calls in less than one minute to having all their advisors available by video from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. It makes it so easy to be a Cambrian member. It's obvious that the whole team at Cambrian cares about giving you great service. Well done, Cambrian. Uh, that was great teamwork from that line there. Okay, you want to move on? You want to do T? Uh, I just think that we're talking about that line. So I just think that instead of coming back to it, let's just give her. I mean, for me, it's the, it's the first goal by Nikolai Ehlers, not just because of the explosiveness on the shot, but Gabriel Velarde, interest, you, saw, you talked about Philip Deneau earlier, Sean, and he didn't have his best game. Um, he 
makes a blind, not a bad pass into the slot, but it's more of a, a good defensive effort. Velarde steals the pass in the slot, then gets moving north uh, the other direction, and then has a great zone entry, then finds Ehlers, who whips by Mikey Anderson and just has an absolute bullet past Cam Talbot to really get the Jets going. And uh, that was an impressive play on all fronts. But everything that you talked about, it's not just offense that these guys can create it's offense from defensive awareness and that was another great example of Velarde just super smart and you know maybe having some insider knowledge about maybe what Philip Deneau might be looking for in that scenario uh, but I just I love the you know there were a lot of impressive candidates today for that for that lamplighter that the Jets had scored for me that that's the goal that really gets things going for them just because of the defensive element that was involved there and then the explosiveness of Ehlers is just uh, incredibly impressive. You think the Jets uh, got a uh, scouting report tonight to go high glove side? <laughs> they did it every chance they had. And yeah, Ehlers, I mean, especially, he victimized, he victimized him going for that top corner tonight. That's where Gabe Velarde's shot went as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that I'm just saying that scouting report wouldn't have been coming from Velarde, Talbot, new to the Kings, but, I mean, it definitely looked like they... No, no, they, I'm not saying... They would definitely know him from his time with the Minnesota oh, yeah. Wild and everything else, but... Well, uh, let's remember, Cam Talbot is one of the guys that I say out-dueled uh, Connor Hellebuck in the playoffs. I mean, in when the they bubble got series, yep. In the, the best bubble of three. series by Calgary, uh, it was Cam Talbot, so a little measure of revenge there. Anyways, that's uh, Kenny's uh, TCB lamplighter of the game. You should share with us your lamplighter of the game. That's just a suggestion, but if you do, you automatically enter yourself to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. If you cannot wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your own frosty, delicious eight-pack, head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. You can join them in their tap room where they have just great beers, great food. I was there today. Yes, you were. <laughs> we're playing table tennis with that. Uh, <laughs> with that, there uh, was there today with uh, Johnny Lou and uh, and Fred uh, from TSN and Colin, my camera guy. We had an absolutely great time. Checked in with the people there. They wanted to throw into uh, the efforts that uh, uh, because they heard the last uh, podcast where we wanted to make sure that we recognized um, our audio issues and what happened with our podcast at the live show was unacceptable. We wanted to do better. Uh, they asked me to. Ask Add their voices to that as well, and they want uh, they want to um, kind of make it back to the audience, Ken. So they were they thought, what? How should we do this? Should we should we say you know we're sorry, or should we you know say we'll do better, or should we make a grand gesture? What do you think they did? Well, they made a grand gesture, um, and so what that grand gesture was was two tickets. So the Montreal Canadiens versus the Winnipeg Jets on Monday. It's going to be a uh, Rogers Monday night hockey game. I'll be hosting that game. But two tickets brought to you by our friends at TCB. Uh, and I went off all the people who entered for the Lamplighter last one and caught, made a secondary draw. The winner of that draw is none other than Scott Westman. Scott Westman. You know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Leave me your full name because I, you know, I haven't seen your ID yet. I don't know if you're fooling with me. Uh, but uh, teaspoon, teaspoon baller, I know you call yourself on Twitter. Uh, I need an email in which I can get a hold of you uh, and let me know as soon as you can if you can make it. Because if you can't, we'll redraw and we'll uh, hand it out on the next show. But we want to make sure that someone is heading into those seats uh, because it was very generous of TCB. How 
absolutely. to throw those in there. So Scott Westman, two tickets to the Winnipeg Jets Montreal Canadiens game. Uh, man, the prizes just keep coming on this show. Do and we do we need him to wear a tuxedo? Well, like should we should we bring back tuxedo night for Scott Westman? I what do you know. think I about think that? Should, I think we should like dress him up in like a, a robe or something like that, like a bathrobe <laughs> with like big bear. Rick Flair style. Okay. Like Rick yeah. Flair style. Oh, well, that kind of like a macho man, Randy Savage. There you go. There you go. Walks Listen, if he does that, I can guarantee you he will get on the <laughs> national broadcast for Monday night hockey. If he can find himself a macho man, Randy Savage robe. Anyways, that's your thing, Scott. And now to the lamplighter winner from the last show. And that would be big hitter. Big hitter. Uh, I, I I don't recognize the name, Ken. I don't know if I've been missing it or not, but Big well, Hitter. Hey, dropped welcome, in. Big yep. Hitter. Big Hitter, he, she. I'm not sure. Either way, they uh, they if they're new, boy, oh, boy, that's Big welcome. Luck. You know what you got to do? Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name. Send me your email. I will send you a voucher for a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter and Rail. Brought to you by our friends, our great friends, and your friend as well, because they're looking out for you with all the beer they pass out on the show, with the tickets. Uh, and Ken, I guess I can uh, spill it. They'll also be giving out another pair of tickets at the next Kenny oh, and Randy event what? on January 22nd. Uh, so you should be joining us at Transcander Brewing Company at 11290. Uh, look on Eventbrite January 22nd, Kenny and Randy, you're going to find tickets to that event. We would love to see you there at that time. Uh, and we're going to be working. I talked about it with the people at TCB. We kind of wanted to set up a station where the fans could jump in the game as well. So if you're down there and you want to pop in and ask questions on the podcast, that's what we're working towards. So, hey, tickets that get you all the pizza you can eat. By the way, best pizza in the city, and they've got a ton of different kinds. So you get to sample all they have. Your first beer is on them. It's a great event. The Kenny and Randy community is absolutely awesome. the best. There's free tickets there to a hockey game that you can win. And on top of that, an opportunity to maybe pop up and share your gorgeous mugs with these two ugly mugs on the show. <laughs> Why would you not want to go? Why would you not want to go to that show? So you know what to do, people. Hop in. It's worth it regardless of any of that. But with all the extra add-ons, you should be there on January 22nd. And join Rennie, because Ken will be in Boston. Join Rennie uh, as the Keep him company. Play. Huge, yeah. I need company, people. Give me some company. Anyways, against the Boston Bruins. That's going to be a big one. So big hitter, you got your thing. You know what to do. Let's move on to the keg save of the game, Ken. Yeah, I mean, Connor Hellbuck was another It was another just steady-ish night, uh, if you yeah. will. I think there was an important save on, on Trevor Moore. Uh, honorable mention, uh, really good chance created by Mark Scheifele, a low wrister, and it came out to David Gustafson, juicy rebound, and Talbot makes the rebound save. But uh, I think the save by Connor Hellbuck on Trevor Moore. But there, too, also thought it was very important, and we kind of almost had this in the got-you-covered category, Neil Pionk prevents a wraparound chance yeah. also i think in my, I, that was also trevor moore uh in the third period but uh, going with the hellebuck on trevor moore uh as my keg save of the game uh, brought to you by the good folks over at the keg who we will be visiting tomorrow tomorrow night buddy yep sounds good night, night tomorrow taking the missuses uh, i don't think that's proper english uh speaking of 
uh, proper English, uh, I was corrected um, on something. Uh, let me see if I can find it quickly here. Someone sent me a message and said that I am using the word uh, reactionary improperly. A reactionary, how I talk about the Jets playing reactionary. A reactionary is actually a certain type of political person who does not want to see change. Essentially, that's like a boiled down version of it. But it's a very specific thing. And it is not proper English to talk about a team and saying they're going out in that game and they're playing a game of reacting to the other team. The proper terminology is reactive. They are being reactive. So going forward, if you hear me refer to reaction, I'm not talking about a political state of mind of the Winnipeg Jets. I never intended that. I was just getting it wrong. A lot of times some stuff falls out of your head in a live setting, and it's probably going to happen again. But if I'm saying reactionary, what I do mean is reactive. Let's keep the Jets political. Look at the accountability out. here. Look at the accountability from our good friends in the chat room. There we no go. Doubt. There no, we hold, go. Holding you to account. No doubt. Anyways, I haven't announced the winner of oh, the sorry. keg. Yep. Uh, uh, keg save of the game you at home should be sharing with us your keg save of the game here whether it's Pionk whether you're fine whether you want to throw a bone to Cam Talbot I don't know if you want to do that on that night but one way or another if you share with us your keg save of the game you are automatically entered to win a not oh I almost did the frosty delicious <laughs> a $50 gift certificate to the keg well, you could use it any of their three fine locations in the city, each location finer than the last. And we're going to check it out, Ken, tomorrow because we're taking the missuses and we're going out for a great Christmas Kenny and Rennie meal at the keg. We're going to enjoy it. You know who else could do that? Pat Rathwell could do it because Pat oh, Rathwell is Pat. the winner from the last show of the keg save of the game. He shared his save of the game. And now we'll be sharing with him a $50 gift certificate to the keg usable at any of their three locations in the city, each location finer than the last. Congratulations, Pat Rathwell, a guy who was at the show uh, and we know well, always argues with me behind the scenes on reffing calls. Uh, it's great because he's a former rep who reffed me in uh, when I played senior Sent hockey. Sent you to the sin bin often. You know, deservedly I went, I looked, so. Deservedly I so. Penalty numbers and I was like, Pat Rothwell, come on. Oh, God, that guy. He just, every turn, every turn. Here he's he's always... Sean blaming him. someone else for his actions. Yeah, come on, yeah. people. I mean, I, I rarely... <laughs> I'll just say this. Pat uh, Rathwell calls tremendous. me and nothing is a call in his world. But boy, oh boy, I think he got them all out of his system when I was playing in games <laughs> earlier on. Um, uh, before we do uh, move on, uh, actually, no. no we Let's got, get to this right now. We got to go Lou here. No, well, we got to go Lou. We can do Lou. Let's do Lou after Pionk. All right. Love the way Neil Pionk is playing. Uh, just fantastic right now. Uh, he's got that. He was all over the place on the four check. Uh, <laughs> In the game against San Jose, uh, I like the physical element he's playing with. He's moving. Sean, we talked about this so much last year and in the last two years uh, when his game was not at the level that we had been used to seeing it. Neil Pionk is really moving the puck well, efficiently, he's skating very well, and he's really settled in. I mean, the the pairing with Brennan Dillon right now is really operating at a at a really high level. And Neil Pionk has just sort of been a little bit under the radar here. We know he's gone through an emotional time this year, and hockey, the rink, has sort of become a little bit of so a place where uh, he finds some solace, uh, you know, after losing his best friend Adam Johnson uh, to that tragic uh, incident overseas. But I love the way Pionk is playing, Sean. Um, you know, he just he's just playing a very 
smart brand of hockey and with a lot of emotion and you know I think he's one of the stories that we maybe haven't discussed enough maybe this year I think he's he's really looking good and you know this goes back to training camp where I had the chat with him where he talked about you know beating himself up a little bit too much and you know finding that happy medium between pushing himself to be better uh, but also maybe not you know like eating it all the time like letting it sort of fester and spiral a little bit and yeah he's just playing really good hockey right now yeah uh i thought that one play where he he's got the puck and he's battling it out and then he loses it and then he dives and like kind of reaches around on the ice and fishes the puck and gets it out was just again another example of the i mean there was no doubt in my mind uh there was no doubt the jets wanted this game way more than the LA Kings did. Now, we'll come back down to it. I don't think that's the best version of the LA Kings that we've seen. I actually think the Jets are on a pretty interesting jag this year of catching teams like right when they kind of fall on the down slope, you know, like uh, uh, happened with, with with Tampa Bay in that situation, the Carolina Hurricanes, clearly. You know, you could argue the Jets broke them, but the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, got swept in Western Canada on yeah. that trip afterwards. Um, here's another one where the Kings have kind of fallen off. The Colorado Avalanche are another team that I think when the Jets played them, they were on a stretch of losing four of, uh, of five games. Um, but I'm not taking that away from it. There's no excuses on this night. The Winnipeg Jets hung one on the LA Kings. They took them out to the woodshed, and uh, great job of them doing that. Yeah, Ken, three losses wanted- in a row for LA right now. Yeah. I mean, after yeah. having an awesome start. Yeah. Um, give Sweet Lou a shout-out, and then I want to talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Good stuff, good stuff. For folks who have realty needs they would like to have met, uh, you can contact Lou Ferlin at Rolla Page Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971, or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast. And quick buy or sell, I'm buying Connor Hellebuck. Uh, I thought you had an excellent interview with our pal Jeffy. I do have one beef with your final comment, and we did get into this a little bit. Uh, you said Hellebuck has just been average. Uh, I disagree. I, he hasn't had to be Superman. I do agree with that. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think I said that, and I don't think I said he's been average. You said it wasn't Connor Hellebuck carrying the Jets, and I guess that it is, is not. true. It he's is not, not carrying them, but that's nine games in a row with two or fewer uh, right. He's now up to sixth and goals saved above expected. His numbers are almost eerily similar to his Vesna years. So I'm buying Connor Hellebuck as a finalist for the Vesna trophy, even with the slow start. I'm selling on the idea that Connor Hellebuck has had needed to be anywhere near the goaltender he was in his Vesna year to put up the numbers Fair. that look the same. And I think tonight is another perfect example of that. Like after that goal goes in, uh, I don't really think like I, I know they put 31 shots on goal. I, yeah. I, I'm trying to pick out the ones that were really dangerous scoring. Chances. Four high danger chances for both for each team, as a there matter of go. fact, and you know expected goals for for the Kings tonight one point four five. So, uh, so no, and, and again, I'm, I'm with you. He hasn't had to be brilliant, but I just think I just, that he's been really good. Is is all I'm saying. 
and, and you know what? I hey, I like being challenged on it. I on the national level, I I had said the Jets are where they are without ha- without. Oh, they, that, that was one hundred percent accurate. Anything they've had in the past, and I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, listen, you know, there there it it could be that scenario by which you know the the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that has been playing pretty good team hockey, and their goalies are letting absolutely everything in. It yeah. could be Connor Hellebuck doesn't respond well to the idea that he's not the guy in net who's like the main focus of the Jets winning every night. I think what one thing he should be credited for is finding a way to be the guy that doesn't have to be as busy, that doesn't have to kind of like, you know, it's just in the, you know, you're not going, he's like, I, I remember there one of those years you're talking about the Vesna years, almost every single national game we did the post game interview yeah. was with him because he was just dominating and stealing games over and over and over again he hasn't needed to be that guy uh, again i i'm not saying his numbers are bad no, no. i'm not saying that he's been average but i stand firmly behind the idea that connor hellebuck's success in years past was based almost solely on a lot of nights on Connor Hellebuck and this year Connor Hellebuck's success a huge part of that is owned by the Winnipeg Jets their system their defense the forwards who are constantly fighting back to to stop these things from happening and and the Winnipeg Jets as a team own far more of Connor Hellebuck's success than maybe they ever had in the entire time he has been here in Winnipeg. Um, we got to get to PLD before we shut it down. Ken, to me, what I see on a night like tonight is like if 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 you're if you're the LA Kings, you're looking at how he's been playing and you're thinking, God, let's just hope this Winnipeg Jets team can wake him up, right? Let's just hope he knows that out there you're looking and you're seeing the Winnipeg Jets come to town and you know all the storylines. You know people are saying, God, Ayafalo is worth the trade with this guy. Getting that salary off the Jets' books is worth having moved that guy. On a night like this, where Velarde goes out and does what he's doing, I didn't even see a whimper from Pierre-Luc Dubois in this case. And this is, it's funny because I used to catch a lot of heat for saying it on this show, but like I would say my whole thing about Pierre-Luc Dubois was when he wants to be dominant, he can be dominant. He just goes entirely to sleep far too often for my liking. And it's something he needed to correct when he was in Winnipeg. It looks like he had this, like the fork in the road was like become the consistent force that can like entirely decide games or go further down the road of being that guy who disappears and sometimes sometimes looks like he's not overly interested in playing hockey at all. Uh, tonight was the version of that. Like this is exactly the Pierre-Luc Dubois, but maybe even worse that I was trying to point out on those nights in Winnipeg where it was like, you need more from this guy. It's not okay for him to disappear six games at a time. This is what I saw. You're seeing it again. Uh, if there, there were, was a certain segment of the, uh, of the Winnipeg Jets population and fan base that saw that and were very frustrated by Pierre-Luc Dubois. If you have any LA Kings friends, give them a call, give them a pat on the shoulder, console them because they're going through that far worse than you did in the entire time that he was in Winnipeg. What a disaster that is looking like. And again, I'll I'll finish this quickly and say to me in the end, how he plays almost doesn't matter. If Pierre-Luc Dubois can be that version that I'm talking about in the playoffs, it, it'll probably have been worth it for them because that's what they're looking at is a guy who can get them over the hump. But holy smokes, at least look like you're interested in getting there before Christmas at some point if you're trying to ramp up your game. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time, you and I, talking about uh, the struggles of Jonathan Huberdeau, right, with the Calgary Flames. And right now, whether it's systematic fit or whatever else, and we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois was excited to be around L.A., uh, right now he is finding his way, and he's obviously struggling. Uh, I mean, another assist today, but this is all you need to know about Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and where he fits with the LA Kings or how Todd McClellan feels about his play. 13:44 of ice time. I mean, oh, last year at this time we were talking about Dubois, we were talking about Dubois and Shifley being 1A and 1B. Right now he's the clear number 3 and he's having trouble finding that engagement level that we're used to seeing on a I still call it a regular basis. Um, you know, I can understand when if you want to suggest it was morally fairly regular rather than regular basis. Uh, but right now, you know, he drew one penalty, so we saw we saw that in the game for him. But um, not overly dangerous. Three shot attempts. One was blocked. Two missed the net. One in the power might have been two in the power play. Uh, at five on five, we're just not seeing that guy that was so. Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot in terms of hits in terms of the game today. But I'm glad you said what you said at the end because that was how I was going to close. Um, I understand there's a lot of people piling on and a lot of that is anger, and that's fine. I, I'm not telling people how they should feel, but this is an eight-year deal, and Pierre-Luc Dubois was brought in to help the LA Kings when they're going to be facing uh, the Edmonton Oilers in the first round or if they're going to be facing the Vegas Golden Knights uh, potentially in either the first or second round. And, you know, whoever comes out of the central, they're going to have a very stacked uh, center position. Uh, but right now, whether, you know, we don't know what's happening there. All we know is what's being written about Pierre-Luc Dubois, and we saw two games with their own eyes. We're not seeing the same level of player. Uh, I think there is a little bit of a struggle here in terms of maybe getting, you know, Sean, we, we, we talked about this. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy who was made for Rick Bonus's system. Yeah. I don't know that playing in a 1-3-1 is made for his game. A guy who, you know, has strong skating ability and likes to get involved physically. It seems like he's, Sean, to me, he's kind of caught in between right now. Nothing looks natural. It's not coming to him naturally. Uh, but the one thing that you can you know, never change is effort. I mean, effort is something that you can control as a player no matter what system you're playing. Um, right now, Dubois is is struggling. There's, there's, I'm definitely not arguing with anybody about that. I mean, he's not playing at the level he was expected to be at. But, I, you know, as someone who has spoken on his behalf numerous times in the past, I don't think that, we should say after fewer than 30 games that this is not going to work out for Pierre-Luc Dubois in LA. I, I think that that would be a, you know, a little bit of a foolish way to go. And I understand people want to gloat and, and say, Hey, look at Velarde, he had four, you had one and, and that's okay. And I understand why people would feel that way. And the Jets are thrilled with the package they got for Dubois. I just think it's a little bit too soon to say that Dubois is not going to make an impact with the LA Kings. That's my personal view. I, just before we do go, I like this comment by uh, a top line media who says paying $68 million for a system-dependent player, woof. Uh, this is the thing that I don't get about Pierre-Luc Dubois is I, to, to what you said about the, the, the effort part of this. 
Pierre-Luc Dubois is a guy who I just think when he plays at his best is a force of nature. And it's yeah. not about like, it's not about him going and, you know, having the right, well, probably it is the right mindset, but you know, the idea of like him needing to, you know, buy into the system and go here and you just got to be in this spot rather than this spot or whatever. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a player that when he wants to grabs the puck and just simply dares you to stop him from getting to the net, because when he gets to top speed, he's a fast player. We all know how strong he is. So when you, it's just a pretty simple equation. Yeah. This much size, this much speed means almost impossible to stop. And what he does when he plays like that is he creates a wake the size of an ocean liner. Yeah. And the thing about the LA Kings is they've got so many players on that team who can capitalize on that. So when I see Pierre-Luc Dubois not playing well, it doesn't make sense to me. It does not compute because it's not like, well, my timing's off or it's this or it's that. It's simply he's just not choosing to take the puck and dare someone to stop him. To me, Pierre-Luc Dubois probably at his best would play one of the most simple games of any player in the entire NHL. And there's only one thing he needs to do to pull it off. And that's just show up ready to go to war night in and night out. And that's, I think the thing about Pierre-Luc Dubois that I used to point out on this show when he was a Winnipeg jet. And that I'll point out probably for a while to come is that he just does not look like he comes to play on too many nights. I think that frustrates other people around him i think that it you know when you're a team like la that is entirely dependent on you know just out hustling and outworking your opposition when you've got someone standing out who's got the capability to do it almost better than any of you except for maybe anze kopitar and you don't do it i think that stands out like a sore thumb and i think it has the potential to be like i i guess we'll say this ken i agree with you if if the the, the kings get the best of, of Pierre-Luc Dubois in the playoffs, then they're going to be a force to deal with. If they keep getting this over and over again for the rest of this year, I think that's going to stand out like a sore thumb, and I think it's going to have the potential to disrupt that locker room. That's how important I think it is to get a guy like that going. Yeah, he needs to impose his will, and we saw that plenty of times as a member of the Winnipeg Jets, and that you didn't, yeah, we haven't seen it in either of the games so far. I haven't watched enough of the Kings games to, to say that it hasn't happened at all this year, but... Um, right now, he's not uh, finding a lot of chemistry with his line mates. And, I mean, to me, the biggest thing is the imposing your will. I mean, he can be a force, like you said. And tonight, we didn't see it at all. Like, he's a guy who's a bull in the china shop. He, you, If he gets the puck along the boards in the offensive zone, good luck stealing it from him. Uh, we didn't see that today. And, again, he's at his best when he's playing a physical brand of hockey. So, um, you know, again, I, I'm willing to give him a lot more, a little, a lot more latitude than some people, just because we've seen Pierre-Luc Dubois at his best. And, you know, at 25 years old, I don't think that we've seen his best yet. I think there's still another, um, you know, floor to hit on that ceiling. Uh, but right now I would imagine there'd be some frustration from, from Todd McClellan and, you know, maybe Rob Blake, but again, it's a little bit too early for regrets, but at the same time, the Jets are thrilled with what they got in the package. And right now those guys are, you know, playing a, playing a very hard game and being very disruptive. You know, even, even though Alex Ifall is going through a cold spell, still great effort. And, you know, Gabriel Velarde is found a point where I think he's just starting to find uh, his way and, you know, getting used to playing with Mark Shifley. And 
uh, I really think that he can be an absolute force uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. So, like I said, I mean, they're thrilled with the return, uh, but Pierre-Luc Dubois definitely has a level that he has not hit yet this year. Um, I wanted to pull out a receipt before we went, uh, and I hope I hope the Winnipeg Jets fans were listening to this one. The penalty that he drew tonight, where the player gets a stick yeah, around him, you know, and he reaches out and he chicken grabs wing, baby stick, chicken wing, chicken wings it and holds the stick. I you remember need coming on this podcast. I remember coming on this podcast and saying that he pulls it off and he does it time and time again. Get a stick anywhere near him, he grabs the stick and then starts acting like a fish who just got hooked. I said that at the time about him i think a lot of people called me out for it and said that it was bs i wonder if you took a look at it tonight and saw exactly what i've been talking about in that situation that he's been using for a long time to draw penalties yeah and he saw the ref on the other the ref can't see it because he's on the other side right yeah. if the ref is on the left side you don't do it because the ref is watching you the ref can't see it from the other side. So that, it's a fabricated penalty. It's not a penalty. It's a fabricated penalty. And you don't get to be, listen, you don't get to be one of the highest players in the NHL exactly. at drawing penalties if you don't find a way to fabricate some penalties. Uh, I just remember saying last year, you can get in a situation <laughs> where you do that the rest enough, you get a reputation. The calls eventually stop coming. Anyways, had to cash in that receipt. Before we go. Always important. Uh, I, maybe I was trying to push it to 2 o'clock, but let's get out of here before 2 o'clock. Can we got stuff to do tomorrow night. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, all the keg winners and uh, ticket winners, you guys know what to do. Get a hold of me. Once want to say before we do go, if you appreciate the conversations happening in this space, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep it going in this space for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, Cambrian Credit Union, Sweet Lou Ferlin, Pristine Roofing, the Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, and, of course, the Keg and TransCanada Brewing Company. Thank you to them, and thank you to everybody here. It is 1.56 in the morning, and there's 293 people. We had 300 just five right minutes now, ago. Incredible. For sure. Well, I think some people checked out when we were talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois, but thank you for sticking with us. Uh, Jets Road Trip comes to an end. They start a homestand that begins with three, count them, three, Rogers Games Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, Monday Night Hockey on Monday, and Wednesday Night Hockey on Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I will be your host for those games. Looking forward to it, as I am also looking forward to spending time with all of you after the game right here on the Kenny and Rennie Post Game Show. Thank you so much for joining us all. Have a great night, and get what sleep you can after a late night. Bye-bye. <laughs>